0: Today's broadcast originally aired on April seventeenth, twenty twenty three Dan Feinstein is an extraordinary senator, and we believe that a senator should be able to make
1: their own judgments about when they're retiring and when they're not, and they all deserve a chance to get better and
2: come back to work. We cannot advance judges or legislation um, with a missing person because of the close vote. If this goes on month after month after month, then she's going to have to make a decision. This isn't just about California. It's also about the nation. I'm taking out her word that she's going to return. Let's make sure that happens. And it sure better happen before the debt ceiling vote. Mm. Sounds
3: like the Democrats could use a caucus meeting.
2: Just say. It. Well, I don't know I came
3: here tonight. Get the story straight. I got the feeling of something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And i
2: want wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the
3: right Here I am stuck in the middle with you I am From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA 98.7 in Santa Barbara 93.7 in San Diego 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW, uh, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News Maui, Hawaii's KAKU In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN Palinville, New York's WLPP Rochester, New York's WRFZ Down in New Orleans on WHIV Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ In Seattle on KODX Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 K TNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. It is tax time in much of the country. That's right, tax time for everybody but those of us here in California, pretty much, Desi Doyen.
0: Yes, I know. We get a bit of a reprieve.
3: Isn't that nice? Now, everyone does not get a reprieve. In California, most of California gets a reprieve, Uh, taxpayers in all but three counties. Uh, have their filing deadline pushed back to October 16. That's due to the recent unrelenting storms over the past several months, which I blame Desi Doyen for. Uh, As one should, of course. uh, As most people do. uh, Only uh, in in three of the state's 54 counties, I believe, uh, will be pushed back to October. But if you live in Lassen, Modoc, or Shasta, You will have the deadline that everyone else in the country has, April 18. But some good news for all taxpayers across the country... Clarence Thomas, the longest serving justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, seems to have made clear that you don't really need to disclose stuff that you just don't feel like disclosing on official forms that you hand to the federal government. Or you don't even apparently need to be accurate about the stuff that you do feel like disclosing, at least if we follow the model from the longest serving sitting U.S. Supreme Court justice.
0: Or at least if you're a Supreme Court justice, you can get away with
3: it. Well, that's right. It may be a privilege only applied to Supreme Court justices, so do consult your tax uh, preparer before you decide <laughs> yes, to not mention <laughs> income for example, income from sales of property and other you know items whether they were paid for by a top GOP mega donor or not, you'll want to check to see if you do need to report them. Of course, if Clarence Thomas actually cared about the country or the legitimacy of his con of the, the Constitution and the judicial system, he would in fact resign. In fact, he would have done so long ago. But Clarence Thomas does not care about those things. He never did, and so he won't. But more on the reason why Thomas should resign momentarily, along with your phone calls, by the way, hopefully on whether another longtime public official long-serving U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, whether she should resign as well. I hope to open up your phones to that in a bit and whatever else may be on your mind at 818-985-5735 if you want to line up right now. Uh, please note, by the way, we are on fun drive here again at KPFK, our flagship station in L.A., so if you want to join us on air when you call in, you'll need to hit option number one. Uh, If you'd like to donate instead or in addition, and I hope you do, please hit option number two. Some other uh, quick-ish news headlines of note, however, first on matters that I suspect we may or may not delve into uh, deeper as the week progresses. Uh, the uh, Sudanese military and powerful mil- and a powerful military group battled for control of the chaos-stricken African nation of Sudan for a second day over the weekend signaling they were unwilling to end hostilities despite mounting diplomatic pressure for a ceasefire heavy fighting involving armored vehicles truck-mounted machine guns and warplanes Raged in the capital of Khartoum, the adjoining city of Amdurman, and in flashpoints across the country. The rival forces are believed to have tens of thousands of fighters, each in the capital alone. At least 41 civilians were killed on Sunday, bringing the two-day death toll to 97 at least. According to the Sudan Doctors Syndicate on Monday, hundreds uh, have uh, people have been wounded since the fighting started on Saturday. The clashes are part of a power struggle between two Sudanese generals who were former allies, uh, and they uh, jointly orchestrated an October 2021 military coup that derailed Sudan's short-lived transition To democracy in recent months, internationally backed negotiations revived hopes for such a transition, but growing tensions now between the two generals, one who leads the armed forces, the other who heads the rapid support forces group in the uh, in the struggling nation. Uh, They have delayed a deal with political parties to move back to that democracy that we all hope emerges there. Both sides signaled that they were unwilling, however, to negotiate in Sudan. That's a country at the crossroads of of the Middle East and sub-Saharan Africa known for its history of military coups and civil conflicts ever since gaining independence in the 1950s. Khalid Omar, a spokesperson for the pro-democracy bloc that negotiated with the generals in recent months, warned that the conflict could lead to war And the country's all-out collapse. In a series of tweets on Sunday, Omar called on pro-democracy groups to set aside their disputes to find a way to end the crisis, quote, immediately. As diplomatic pressure appears to be mounting in the U.N. and elsewhere, the recent uh, tensions stem from disagreement over how the Rapid Support Forces Group, or the RSF, should be integrated into the armed forces. The merger is a key condition of Sudan's unsigned transition agreement with political groups as the nation struggles its way towards democracy. Democracy also continues to take a beating, of course, in Vladimir Putin's Russia today. A uh, a Russian court on Monday convicted a top opposition figure of treason for publicly denouncing Moscow's war in Ukraine and sentenced him to 25 years in prison for speaking out against the war as part of the Kremlin's relentless crackdown on critics, any critics at all, of its brutal invasion of Ukraine. Uh, That began in February of last year, Kremlin critic Vladimir Karamurtsa was jailed on Monday in what was the harshest sentence of its kind since Russia's assault on its sovereign neighbor began a year ago. Karamurta is a political activist and journalist who twice survived poisonings that he blamed on Russian authorities. He's rejected the charges against him as punishment for standing up to Vladimir Putin and likened the proceedings to the show trials under Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. Human rights organizations and Western governments denounced the verdict, demanding his release. Amnesty International declared the 41-year-old to be a prisoner of conscience. The charges against Karmerza, a dual Russian-British citizen who has been behind bars since his arrest a year ago, stem from a March 2022 speech to the Arizona House of Representatives in which he denounced Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Days after the invasion, Russia adopted a law criminalizing any criticism of what the Kremlin calls its special military operation in Ukraine. The sweeping campaign of repression is unprecedented since The Soviet era effectively criminalizing independent reporting on the conflict and any public criticism of the war by citizens or by journalists, including the very few remaining independent journalists in the country, as well as those who are employed by state run media who spread their voices around the world. Last month, a Russian uh, court convicted a father over social media posts that were critical of the war and sentenced him to two years in prison. His 13-year-old daughter, who drew an anti-war sketch at school, was sent to an orphanage Reportedly. Days later, Russia's security service arrested uh, Evan Gershkovich, uh, an American reporter for The Wall Street Journal, on supposed espionage charges. BBC notes the tough sentence is a sign that in today's Russia, authorities are not only determined to silence critics, but also to neutralize anything or anyone they believe represent a threat to Putin's hardline political system. In a statement at the end of his trial, Karmurza said that he was jailed for, quote, "...many years of struggle against Putin's dictatorship," unquote, his criticism of the war in Ukraine and his long efforts to champion Western sanctions against Russian officials involved in human rights abuses." He said in his statement that he stood by, quote, every word that I have said, not only do I not repent any of this, I am proud of it. He said, adding, quote, I know that the day will come when the darkness engulfing our country will clear. Our society will open its eyes and shudder when it realizes what crimes were committed in its name. He said his trial reminded him of a Stalin-era show trial of the 1930s and noted, quote, I only blame myself for one thing. I failed to convince enough of my compatriots and politicians in democratic countries of the danger that the current Kremlin Kremlin regime poses for Russia and for the world. In the uh, struggle for democracy and against dangerous institutional authoritarianism and uh, political misinformation back here in the US. I noted last week that the defamation trial between uh, electronic voting system vendor Dominion voting systems and Fox News was scheduled to begin in earnest on Monday, unless I noticed, I noted, uh, Fox suddenly became smart enough to figure out a way to settle. The one point six billion dollar lawsuit in which Dominion had uh, seems to have them dead to rights, frankly, for blatantly and repeatedly and knowingly lying about the company on air, spreading misinformation about the company somehow rigging the 2020 election for Joe Biden, for which there remains zero evidence. Uh, That just after the judge in the case issued sanctions last week against Fox for having withheld evidence during the discovery process and having repeatedly lied to the judge about Fox Corp CEO Rupert Murdoch's position as executive director of Fox News itself. Which is never a good idea to lie repeatedly to the judge who is about to oversee your $1.6 billion defamation suit, it seems to me.
0: Yeah, I'm no high, high-powered high lawyer, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do stuff like that.
3: As far as I'm concerned, you are a high-powered lawyer, Tessie Doyen. <laughs> anyway, with that in mind, on Monday, as AP Now reports... The uh, Delaware judge overseeing that lawsuit against Fox News delayed the opening of the trial that was set for Monday, raising the prospect that the two sides might settle before this eagerly watched case goes before a jury. Supreme Court uh, Superior Court judge, uh, Delaware Superior Court judge Eric Davis, suggested the sides try to mediate their dispute. That, according to a person close to Fox, not authorized to speak publicly about the suit. Attorneys for both sides, who appeared in court Monday, declined to answer reporters' questions about the delay, as did representatives for both uh, of the companies. Davis gave no explanation for delaying the trial start until Tuesday at this point. Jury selection and opening statements were planned for the first day in a trial that, if it happens, is expected to last six weeks. Not everyone wants the case to go away quietly, however. This is fun. Uh, Quote, please, Dominion, do not settle with Fox. You're about to prove something very big. That is a tweet from Gretchen Carlson, the former Fox anchor whose accusations of sexual misconduct by former Fox chief Roger Ailes led to his downfall in 2016. Fox, meanwhile, paid for a full-page advertisement in The New York Times on Monday, headlined, Trusted Now More Than Ever.
0: (laughs) I somehow doubt that.
3: Were they ever trusted?
0: (laughs) I don't think so, especially not more than ever now. And I do actually agree with the folks that are telling Dominion to not settle because I personally would like to see all of this evidence get entered into the public record. That would be very cool.
3: Well, and that's the problem actually is they are trusted arguably more now than ever because they have hoaxed and brain poisoned. More Americans now arguably than ever. And people, it's misplaced trust, but there's a lot of people, millions of Americans who trust them, who believe they're being told the truth by Fox News when Fox News is out and out lying to them. And Fox News knows they are out and out lying to them, as has already been proven in this case, given the uh, evidence that Fox itself has had to release uh, to, to Dominion, at least when it wasn't withholding evidence from Dominion. Good Lord, if they, <laughs> given what they have turned over to Dominion, I can only imagine what they have so far held back at this point. Nonetheless, before, even before the jury hears the case, Davis had made, has made some rulings in Dominion's favor, including stating that the allegations of election fraud made against the company were proven to be false, which means that issue will not be litigated in the trial. More no doubt on that story, whether we like it or not, in the days ahead. Of course, uh, perhaps the most critical court-related news in the U.S. over the last several days regards the far right's new embrace of activist federal court judges legislating from the bench. That, of course, is one of many things that Republicans have spent years pretending to decry. Oh, we don't, we can't have activist judges legislating from the bench. But now, of course, they clearly support exactly that in spades, at least when it comes to a single activist far-right federal judge's ability in Texas to replace the 23-year-old medical and scientific judgment of a major federal agency with his own very personal dislike of reproductive freedoms for women. On Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court temporarily blocked lower court orders from an activist Trump-appointed federal judge in Texas that had imposed a nationwide restriction on the widely used abortion pill, Mifepristone. The uh, brief order by Justice Sam Alito keeps the status quo in place through Wednesday, meaning that Mifepristone will remain to be available as it has been for the last 23 years. Uh, It is, after all, the most common form of uh, abortion, medication abortion, certainly, but overall abortions as well. That, while a legal challenge, plays out to challenge the FDA's 23-year-old authorization of the drug as safe and effective. The decision temporarily forestalls what would have been an unprecedented court-ordered rollback of FDA powers and at least temporarily settled a legal standoff arising from conflicting orders issued by separate federal courts uh, on these abortion pills in recent days. The U.S. District Court in Texas and the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, their orders reimposed restrictions on mifepristone that the FDA had removed over the years, but a Washington state federal court ruled at almost exactly the same time that the FDA cannot roll back access to mifepristone in The 17 states and the District of of Columbia, which brought that particular case uh, brought by Democratic attorneys general from those jurisdictions. There is no doubt we will all have more on that in, uh, in the days ahead as we await a ruling by the full Supreme Court essentially on whether Mifepristone will be banned nationwide. While the court case is actually heard by the similarly far right Fifth Circuit Court uh, of Appeals and eventually then the Supreme Court or whether the status quo of the past 23 years will remain in place during that period uh, for the drug used in the nation's most common form of abortion. But our own legal analyst at Bradblog.com, Ernie Canning. Uh, today wrote about the motion that was submitted to the high court by U.S. Attorney General, I'm sorry, U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogger on behalf of the federal government, arguing in favor, she was, arguing in favor of the status quo for now, noting several blatant errors of law that were made by both U.S. District Court Judge Matthew Kazmarek, In Texas and by the Fifth Circuit, who upheld some, but not all, of Kaczmarek's terrible ruling that bans the drug in all 50 states, or at least attempts to. I will link, of course, to uh, Ernie's coverage at Bradblog.com when I post tonight's show there. But just a couple of quick points here from it, just to give you an idea of how... Far The far-right judges have gone off the rails in their attempts to legislate from the bench, no matter what the actual rule of law may be. The uh, government's application, writes Ernie Canning, argues that the Fifth Circuit ruling last week ignored controlling controlling Supreme Court precedents when it incorrectly held that the physician respondents in the case, the ones who are seeking to ban Mifepristone, Uh, When he determined that judge uh, determined that, in fact, those doctors had the required legal standing to bring it in, bring the case at all in federal court in the first place. In fact, none of those doctors actually use or prescribe the drug which means they are not personally harmed by the FDA's approval of the drug or anyone's use of the drug. And that would normally be enough to dismiss the case in its entirety under the long-established precedent of the High Court, which both Kasmerick and the three Republican-appointed judges uh, on the Fifth Circuit seem to be happy to ignore. Those three judges, by the way, two of them appointed by Donald Trump, one by George W. Bush. The Solicitor General also argues the three-judge panel of Republican appointees badly misread the case, uh, the case record, I should say, when handing down its hastily drafted 42-page order just hours after the lengthy motion for a stay and the opposition to it and the reply briefs had all been filed. For example, Ernie notes, the government alleges that the appellate court reached an altogether inaccurate conclusion about a section of the patient agreement form that is included with the two-drug cocktail used in the majority of U.S. abortions. The form states that, quote, in about two to seven out of 100 women who use mifepristone, the treatment will not work. Now, from that warning uh, on the patient agreement form, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals panel incorrectly concluded that, quote, it's statistically certain that hundreds of thousands of women using mifepristone will need emergency care. That's not true. Well, that's not what they're actually saying, in truth, that section of the form doesn't even talk about emergency care. It simply tells the patient that between two and seven percent of mifepristone users may ultimately have to get an, a, a, a surgical abortion if they still desire to end their pregnancy. That it doesn't work in you know anywhere from two to seven percent of the people who use it. In the meantime, five times as many people die from the use of penicillin. Twenty times more users of Viagra die than from mifepristone. If allowed to take effect, the DOJ's motion argues the lower court's decision would upend existing case law and the FDA's long, well-established approval process for all pharmaceuticals, not just for mifepristone. That's how unusual this is. How ridiculous this argument is, to be frank. Ernie notes that would result in chaos and disruption to the healthcare care system on a national scale. Prelogger, the, uh, the uh, U.S. Solicitor General, referenced a point from an open letter that was published last week by more than 500 pharmaceutical executives and researchers opposing Kazmarek's radical ruling, noting, quote, the district court's decision will result in a seismic shift in the clinical development and drug approval process, erecting unnecessary and unscientific barriers to the approval of life-saving medicines, chilling drug development and investment, threatening patient access and destabilizing The pharmaceutical industry. So hopefully that gives you just some idea of how far off the rail uh, these rulings are coming out of this uh, Texas judge and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, both of them far right wing, and how much these rulings are not actually about the rule of law or about public safety, but about the far right political and religious views. Of the right-wing federal judiciary that was, uh, you know, so far in this case uh, hand-picked by the plaintiffs to hear this complaint and should also help you understand how Republicans have been lying for so many years about their pretend concerns about activist judges who might legislate from the bench because that is exactly what Kazmarek and the Fifth Circuit Court appear to be doing here as based on the actual facts of the case. They might not like those facts, but they are still facts. What the far-right, corrupted, stolen, and packed U.S. Supreme Court majority will now do in the days ahead, well, that remains anyone's guess, as they have also proven themselves more than willing to legislate from the bench, as they did when they overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, 50 years of well-established constitutional reproductive freedoms last year. And speaking of the uh, corrupt far-right activists on the corrupted U.S. Supreme Court, more mind-bending news over the weekend from its seemingly most corrupt and longest-serving Justice Clarence Thomas. By way of very quick reminder of our story so far, we reported... Uh, Back in 2011 at the Brad blog and on air uh, about Clarence Thomas's failure at the time to include his Republican activist wife, Ginny's hundred and twenty thousand dollar a year annual annual salary that she received from the right wing Heritage Foundation on his annual disclosure forms for many of the 20 years prior to 2011. It's a very simple form, and it says, uh, you know, it gives a space for your spouse's non-investment income, for example, her salary. And Clarence Thomas checked the box that said none. That's a violation of federal law. Just in case you're wondering. Also in 2011, we reported on the fact that Thomas failed to recuse himself from the infamous Citizens United ruling back in 2010, which unleashed billions of dollars in dark, unaccountable money into our electoral system. But he should have. Because it was that group, Citizens United themselves, who had Uh, let's see, two decades earlier, spent about $100,000 in ads supporting the confirmation of Clarence Thomas back in 1991 during his wildly controversial Senate confirmation hearings. Yes, Citizens United helped seat Clarence Thomas before he would return the favor uh, with his vote some years later. Also, Between the uh, Citizens United case when it was heard in oral argument in 2009 and then the time that the court released their opinion on it in 2010, during that interim, Clarence's own wife, Jenny, set up a uh, a nonprofit activist organization and received more than half a million dollars in dark money for the group as if she knew that that decision was coming from the court or something like that. As we would later learn, that money, that dark money at the time, came from a GOP megadonor and a real estate tycoon by the name of Harlan Crow, who about two weeks ago, ProPublica reported, had been funding luxury vacations on private planes and super yachts around the world almost each and every year over the past 20 or 30 years for Clarence Thomas who also failed to report those gifts, as he is required by law, on his disclosure form. They amounted to uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in these luxury gifts. And he didn't tell anyone about it until the ProPublica found out and reported it two weeks ago. And then last week we learned from ProPublica again that Crow also actually gave Clarence Thomas a whole bunch of cash by buying properties from him, including his mother's house. Yes, Clarence Thomas's mother's house, Harlan Crow, GOP megadonor, actually purchased. And guess what? His mother is still alive and still lives in that house to this day, apparently rent free after some $36,000 in upgrades and renovations that were made, courtesy of Harlan Crowe, after he purchased it. And none of that, none of that was reported on Thomas's disclosure forms. Yes, in violation of the law. Which brings us to this past weekend, when Washington Post reported that, for years, Thomas had been reporting rental income from a company that was associated with his wife's family, even though that company has been defunct since 2006. The old company seems to have transferred all of its real estate holdings to a similarly named newer company, but Thomas has failed to disclose anything related to that newer company, the one that actually exists, while he continued to mention the company that no longer exists.
0: So wait. So he neglected to report his wife's income all those years yeah. before he was told to do so. He neglected to report on those lavish trips that he was given by his yeah. very, very close friend. Right. And he neglected to report that the property that the very good friend bought his mom's house, mm-hmm. where she now lives, mm-hmm. probably rent-free. It's definitely rent-free. He neglected rent-free. to report yeah. all of those, yeah. but he did remember to report the wrong name from the family <laughs> rental property. That's right. Okay, got A- it.
3: And neglected to. To uh, report the correct uh, business from the rental property. So, uh, yeah, The, the longest serving justice, by the way, he continues to ignore pretty much all of these charges or he blames other people for them or he quietly amends years of the disclosure forms once he's called out on them. Despite years of blatant law-breaking on these matters, he sits in judgment of you and me and everywhere else, everyone else on the highest court of the land. Now, as noted earlier, if Clarence Thomas actually gave a damn about this country or our judicial system, he would resign immediately. He would have resigned long ago. But because he is a corrupt political activist, he will not do that. He would rather stay on the bench legislating from it as Republicans pretended to hate. Anyway, he's not going to leave, at least not while he would be replaced by a uh, during a, a Democratic White House and a Democratic majority Senate. But at this point, whether that Democratic majority Senate and its Judiciary Committee would even have enough votes to fill a vacancy on the Supreme Court, well, that's a different matter entirely. And also, uh, it has to do with someone who, many now argue, should, in fact, resign from the U.S. Senate. Let's take a quick break and we will come back with, hopefully, some of your calls on whether California's long-serving 89-year-old Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein, who has been working from home in San Francisco for several months now as she reportedly battles a case of shingles and can't travel to D.C., Uh, where she has missed three-quarters of the votes on the Senate floor so far this year and is holding up any of President Biden's federal judge nominees from passing out of the Judiciary Committee. Well, we'll take some of your calls on that and whether DiFi needs to resign at this point for the good of the country since there is no word from her doctors on when or if. She'll be able to return to the Senate. Give us a call. Our phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Hit option number one to talk to me. Option number two, if you'd like to donate, should Dianne Feinstein resign, as some Democrats are now calling for, while others are coming to her defense? Uh, if so, tell me why. Either way, all of that is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast.
4: Smile for me,
3: my Diane. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Should Diane Feinstein resign for the good of both? Democrats in Senate and arguably democracy in the nation right now. I'd love to hear from you on that in our Southern California live listening area at 818-985-5735. Or even if you are listening live via the KPFK.org stream and you want to ring in, 818-985-KPFK. As uh, NBC reported last week, Senate Republicans are not inclined to offer Democrats any help not going to help him. Uh, give him an easy off ramp to replace California's senior U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein on the Senate Judiciary Committee, where she sits as she remains on medical leave right now with no timeline for return, according to aides. In response to some Democrats calling on her to resign last week, the 89-year-old senator asked Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to find a substitute for her on a temporary basis on the powerful committee Uh, Judiciary Committee until she can come back. With Feinstein's absence, the committee is split 11 to 10, and they have delayed advancing more than a dozen of President Joe Biden's judicial nominees for full Senate confirmation. Replacing her on the panel, however, short of death or resignation, even on a short-term basis, would require approval from either the full Senate via a unanimous consent decree, But uh, if they do that, well, any one Republican could object and block it. So in that case, Democrats are going to have to go through the lengthy process to get 60 votes somehow in order to break a filibuster, meaning about 10 Republicans would have to join the other 50 Democratic members to allow Feinstein's replacement in the currently 51-49 Democratic-controlled upper chamber. Actually, it's 50-49 if uh, DeFi is not there to cast a vote. And a number of Republicans have made clear that they are not interested in helping the Democrats out. In the bargain, Feinstein has been absent for nearly three-quarters of the votes on the Senate floor as well, not just in committee. But about 60 votes she has missed on the floor out of about 80 that have been uh, cast. So she remains in San Francisco and is said to be recovering from a terrible case of shingles. But democracy needs to move forward, uh, it seems to me. And I should add, you know, I, I, I have nothing against uh, DiFi personally. In fact, she's uh, even though she's a bit more conservative than I might be politically, I have great respect for her. And her landmark career, particularly when it comes to the federal assault weapons ban that she shepherded through the Senate back in 1994, which held down the eventual epidemic of mass murders we are seeing now with those types of high-powered, high-capacity weapons and magazines until that measure was allowed to expire by Republicans during George W. Bush's administration in 2004— There's also the critical work that she did on the Senate Intelligence Committee to force the CIA to disclose thousands of pages of evidence regarding their torture program around the world after 9-11. But this is a critical moment for American democracy. And in a 51-49 Senate and on a Senate Judiciary Committee with a one vote margin, it is... Well, it doesn't seem to me tenable to have one critical Democratic vote who may not return to the Senate for months, if ever, holding up all of these federal judges. I'd love your thoughts on that, of course, as her constituents at 818-985-KPFK. Uh, let me uh, – before I get to the phones, very quickly, let me just play one or two clips and we'll get right to uh, – see a lot of people want to ring in on this. Over the weekend, fellow Democratic senator and member of uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, she said Feinstein's uh, absence will, quote, become an issue as the months go by while taking her at her word that she will be, 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 that she will be back uh, soon?
2: I think she made the right decision to step off the Judiciary Committee. I serve on that committee, and we cannot advance judges or legislation um, with a missing person because of the close votes. If this goes on month after month after month, then she's gonna have to make a decision with her family and her friends about what her future holds because this isn't just about California, it's also about the nation. And we just can't, with this one-vote margin, Um, and expect every other person to be there every single time. It's going to become an issue as the months go by. But I'm taking out her word that she's going to return. Let's make sure that happens. And it sure better happen before the debt ceiling vote.
3: (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, So is she right? Does the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, much less our democracy, even have months and months at this point? 818-985-KPFK. Democratic Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, on the other hand, was a bit more full-throated in her defense of Feinstein's ability to keep serving in the Senate on Sunday during remarks that uh, Gillibrand made on CNN's State of the Union.
0: Dan
1: Feinstein is an extraordinary senator. I sit with her on the Intelligence Committee. She asks some of the most searing, pointed questions of anyone on that committee. And we've had so many senators who have had illnesses, whether it's Mitch McConnell's illnesses or senators who have had strokes. These are issues that we're human. And we believe that a senator should be able to make their own judgments about when they're retiring and when they're not. And they all deserve a chance to get better and come back to work. Uh, uh, it's her right. She's been voted by her state to be senator for six years, she has the right, in my opinion, to decide when she steps down.
3: Well, hey, Southern California constituents of Dianne Feinstein, Uh, should she retire at this point? Yes or no? And why? 818-985-5735, I should note, before uh, those two uh, senators that you just heard spoke out over this past weekend, last week, former uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, also of California, also of San Francisco, she suggested the calls for Feinstein uh, to resign were sexist, noting that quote, "She has never seen them go after a man who was sick in the Senate in that way." in an apparent reference to Senator John Fetterman of uh, Democrat from Pennsylvania who, has been absent for a couple of months due to clinical depression, though he is now back in the Senate finally this week. Eight one eight nine eight five kpfk Should DiFi stay or should she go, and why? Let's go to Nancy in Los Angeles. Hey, Nancy, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm well. I'm okay. I'm, I'm not happy at all with Diane
4: Feinstein. Uh, she's almost ninety. Uh, she's cognitively impaired, she's physically impaired, she's putting ego over country, and we have these judges that are not being able to go through because of her. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do, Brad, all we have to do is look at at what's happening now with the decisions that federal judges are making, such as the one in Texas and the medication how important it is, and I just, you know, let's say she, let's say she were someone to talk, were to talk her into retiring mm-hmm. now, okay. The other thought I have is that it would be up to uh, Governor Newsom to appoint someone until 2024.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, Adam Schiff, Barbara Lee, and Katie Porter right now are in the running, from what I understand.
3: Correct. They've all announced they're going to be running for that seat. Right.
4: To be fair, I think that Governor Newsom should appoint a, for lack of a better word, placeholder, (laughs) someone maybe in the California legislature who would... That seat until twenty twenty four, so that there wouldn't be an incumbent like a like a Adam Schiff mm-hmm. or Katie Porter, because they kind of automatically have a little bit more of an advantage.
3: Yeah. So, and and, and uh, he had talked about doing. He was asked some time ago if he had to appoint someone uh, if if Feinstein did step down. He said he would. Uh, he wanted to appoint a uh, a woman, a black woman to the role. Okay. Barbara Lee would have been a great selection, but now, of course, if he selects her, He's it's putting, running. yeah, she's running, is putting his thumb on the scale. But there are others. Secretary of State Shirley Weber, there are obviously many others who are qualified. Uh, but yeah, that that would come next. Uh, and and I guess we'll have a, I'll ask you to call in, Nancy, at that point, if that happens. Uh, who, who should sure he appoint? Thanks, Nancy. I appreciate All your call. Thanks, thank yeah. you so much, Brad. Love your show. Thank you. Appreciate that, Nancy, very much. 818-985-KPFK. Let's 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 go to Al in Huntington Beach. Hey, Al. How are you, sir? Hey,
6: what's happening, man?
3: Uh, You know. You tell me. What's up?
6: Oh, I think uh, we should let Diane Feinstein stay, man. Yeah. I mean, if I had health care like her, I wouldn't want to quit either. (laughs) uh, Yeah. you You know, they should let her have her driver's license, too. I mean... You don't need a test for that, right? Uh,
3: I think and, I think maybe you're being snarky at this point, Al. Yeah, I think no, maybe you no. think she shouldn't I mean, uh, stay in. If
6: we, if we, I mean, if we could get a few more judges like Clarence Thomas, you know, what would harm would that be? Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I'm so, gonna I'm gonna mark that down as a, uh, a please resign Senator Feinstein comment.
6: Well, well, why would you want to do that, man? I mean, she, you know, she's only ninety years old.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Al. I appreciate the call, my friend. 818-985-5735. Let me go to Jane. Here we go. Jane in Los Angeles. Uh, Hey, Jane. Welcome to the broadcast. What do you think? Should should she stay or should she go?
1: Well, I think it it, it really raises a larger issue of whether or not we need age limits for people who are elected. Hmm. I mean, there's people that have essentially just camped out, taken over. It happens across the country. It's not just Diane Feinstein. It's a lot of people. Well, and let me uh, ask you a
3: question yeah. about that, Jane. Um, Bernie Sanders is, what is he, pushing 80? What, what should that age limit be, and why should we uh, be ageist about this? I mean, uh, you know, Joe Biden is about 1,000 years old, but I think he's doing a hell of a job as president, so uh, why do we need to uh, come up with a, a random age to start throwing people out of office?
1: Well, we have a lot of random ages in society. We've got 18, you know, we've got 25 Mm -hmm. rental cars. I mean, we've got all kinds of arbitrary, quote, numbers that we put on things.
5: And
3: the
1: reality is that people have different skills at different points in their life. You know, when you're a young kid, you don't have a fully formed prefrontal cortex. As you get older, you. Well, speak for yourself, but yeah. (laughs) You tend to pay attention to different things, you know, and you tend to focus on different things. There's no reason why she can't mentor. And do other things as well as a lot of other older people can do, you know, continue to provide guidance and support the energy and and the level of commitment and and certainly attendance that these jobs require. A younger and a middle-aged person is really the best person for the job in a lot of cases.
3: And uh and I, I think you do raise an interesting point, Jane, and that is also one I'd I'd love to sort of uh, hash out. By the way, should that uh be applied that, that age limit be applied to the uh, US Supreme Court?
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely okay, good. it should. Because the other problem is people are gonna be alive a lot longer as we go forward here and these people are getting Cadillac health care as another caller pointed out. Yeah. So you have a situation where people could be you know, making decisions that affect millions of Americans' lives, not to mention the rest of the world, for, you know, 50, 80, 90, 100 years, maybe, at some point. It's, it's not acceptable. Hmm. You need to think of some other solution.
3: Well, uh, okay, and I hear you. And if there were uh, age limits in place, so be it. I mean, presumably they would be put in place by uh, Congress itself. Um, But we don't have those uh, in place right now. So the question does remain, should uh, Feinstein uh, step down? I guess what your vote is, absolutely she should step down.
1: Well, it's difficult to say. She's certainly done a lot of, uh, of work. But I think once someone gets to a point... Whether it's a man or a woman or a non-binary person, whoever it is, Mm -hmm. when they're missing work, just like the rest of us, if we miss work and we're not able to physically do the job anymore, we have to make a decision that's best for the country.
3: Well, what about John Fetterman in uh, Pennsylvania? He was out for what I think six weeks uh, dealing with uh, depression issues. He had just been elected. Should he have to go because he couldn't be there for six weeks? What's the what's the cutoff, uh, Jane? Before uh, somebody has to, yeah,
1: it raises. It's a very difficult issue, isn't it? Because on one hand, people should be entitled to take leave to take care of their health, but you know the that's what, that, those are the laws that we have in place, but on the other hand, most of our jobs are not impacting the public the way that these people's jobs are. Yeah. So that's the real issue, you know?
3: Do, do you agree, by the way, with Nancy Pelosi, who says that uh, she sees uh, something here as uh, sexist because she's never seen them go after a man who was sick in the Senate in that way?
1: I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that, that that's going to happen to us as women. That, that's just the way that that these men operate, and You know, I have seen people raise these concerns before um, with other people like Mitch McConnell, for example. And believe me, I'm no fan. But, you know, I've seen people raising these issues. And certainly with John Fetterman, it was raised as well. I don't know that, you know, anyone's calling for John Fetterman to resign. He's a young guy and he just got elected. So it's a little bit different. You know, she's been there a long time and this has been going on for a while. The judiciary is so important. I mean, if, if the elections over the past couple of years haven't taught us that, yeah. I don't know what will and there sh- there shouldn't be a single vacancy in the federal courts not one single vacancy mm-hmm. at this point in Biden's term and it's my major criticism of him And it happened during Obama's term, and look at what happened to us as a result. Look at what happened.
3: uh, No, I hear you, and let me speak to that just for a moment, uh, just so we're dealing with facts here. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, Biden has uh, seated more judges on the federal bench in the time that he has been in office than uh, uh, either Donald Trump or Barack Obama did during that same time. So they're actually putting them through at a remarkable speed. That said, for some reason, they're uh, keeping in place this stupid blue slip law, which allows any senator on the committee to prevent a judge from uh, moving forward. That's ridiculous. It's the Democrats once again, you know, tying one arm behind their back when they know the Republicans aren't going to do the same thing. They don't give a damn about blue slips, but the uh, Democrats are respecting precedent. But that's not necessarily Joe Biden's fault. I just want to be clear about that. And uh, they do have to move them through. And that, to me, is the difference, by the way. And I would Say this whether it was a man or a woman in this exact same place that uh, Feinstein is right now. The problem is not that she is uh, too old, in my opinion. It's not even that she can't show up to work. It's that she does not know when or if she ever will be able to show up for work at this point. And I, you know, we we just simply can't hamstring the uh, the nation like that at this point, as I see it. Um, but uh, but you know I, I'm open to hear from others uh, if I'm wrong about that. Jane, I really appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank- oh, did we lose Jane? We lost Jane. All right. Thank you for our call, Jane. 985 KPFK is our phone number. Let me go to Julie in I think Los Angeles. Yes, somewhere. Yes. There we go. Hey, Julie. Welcome to the broadcast.
5: Hi. Hey. Um, okay. What's different about um, our state is that we have a lot of vibrant leaders we need to make room for them she needs to step aside for the interest of the future of this country and all of the progressive leadership that's coming up it's not like she's like any other um senator or any other boring state we're in california we have to do vibrant work she needs to not think of herself and how it's sexist and oh poo poo no She's been there long enough. Move forward. Let them, the other people emerge because we have great
3: ideas and great people that we need to put forward. But Julie, move things forward. But I hear you, Julie. But that's what elections are for. And guess what? Diane Feinstein just won her election about two years ago. California actually wanted to return her to the to the Senate.
5: Well, she did her thing, uh, resigned, and realized that um, we need more. We need diverse. We need relevant. She needs to do that. If she's a real leader, she needs to look within and think, I've taken enough space here. I trust others to move things forward. I think she's just like any other politician if she continues to sit there. Come on. This is California. We need the brightest and the freshest and the most energized because we set the tone for most of the country. And, and we need to just move her away. And no. point if other people voted her in. They're comfortable with her. Right. comfort is a disservice to the evolution All of right. people.
3: All right. I hear you, Julie, and I do hope you run for office by the way. I think you're good.
5: No, other people are there and they need to do it. All right. Move forward with Barbara Lee Thank you.
3: Thank you very much, Julie, for that endorsement. Uh we can get in uh, one or two quick quick calls here. Uh let me get to Matt in San Luis Obispo. Hey Matt, how are you sir?
6: Great. Thanks again for a, a wonderful show and I you know the the age limit I almost wonder. Yes, okay, but maybe a mental aptitude uh, test or something. Imagine Man, a
3: woman, like camera, Johnson. TV, person. All right, go ahead. Yeah, uh,
6: an aptitude and, uh, test. Yes, but I do believe that that she. It's time that she stepped down. The the jackboot Republicans are are just hardcore. Mm. Any any sign of a wink, link, and. I mean they attacked regardless, you know. No. Mm-hmm. And um anyhow I think it's her time. And I'm I'm afraid that her or Pelosi or Biden might walk out onto the into the House of Congress with their undergarments on the outside of their clothes sometimes. Oh man. And um that wouldn't be a good thing.
3: Oh, that's 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 cold blooded, Matt. Thank you for that call. I appreciate it, <laughs> sir. Uh do we have time? We have time for one of course we have time. It's it's Mo. It's Mo. From Long Beach. Uh, hang on Mo. Let me get to you here. Hey, Morris. Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. You doing okay?
6: I'm doing fantastic, Bradley, and it has nothing to do with her age. And she certainly does need to resign. And also, on her way out the door, I'd like for her to explain how you can have $80 million while serving as a public servant.
3: Thank you very much, Daddy. Uh, Well, good question, uh, Mo. I I think uh, the bulk of that money actually comes from her husband.
0: I believe it does. I believe he is a very wealthy man and was born wealthy and has continued to expand on that wealth as he has gone through his wealthy time as a wealthy person.
3: (laughs) Although it is true. That anyone who shows up in, I mean, this ridiculous amount of money that flows to these uh, members of Congress, to these members of Senate who suddenly, you know, how does Clarence Thomas have so many millions of dollars? He gets paid $285,000 a year, I believe it is, and yet apparently somehow he's got tens of millions of dollars in property his wife makes all kinds of money i know it's just a coincidence
0: well we know part but, of that yeah. has to do with him not declaring his wife's income for all those years that'll she earns do more it more than the vast majority of americans but one thing i did want to mention that i thought was interesting was yeah. that uh, even if uh governor newsom even if feinstein does re- resign and governor newsom appoints somebody else yeah. that there will be an opportunity as i understand it for republicans to prevent that person from
3: joining the judiciary committee yeah the I, I, as I understand it, the same problem still exists that exists now. She has okay. said, "Okay, I'm I, put me re, replace me on the judiciary committee." The problem is, you either have to do it by unanimous consent. Every single uh, present uh, senator must vote in favor of it, or you have to overcome a filibuster. And I think the same thing would be true if, in fact, she were to resign, and then they need to seat someone on the committee. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, it's, I think, a different matter if we're talking about a new senator coming in. And I'm not sure that Republicans want to start the precedent of holding up... You know, people being seated after a a senator has resigned.
0: Because that might hurt them.
3: Because that might hurt them when it comes around to... uh... To hit them next time they have to replace a senator. But you know, I wouldn't put anything past them. Anyway, we gotta get out right now. Yes, we I do. Think, don't we? Yes, we do. All right, thanks to everyone who called in. Apologies to anyone who I couldn't get to because I had a lot to say for a change. Uh, but my thanks also to Desi Doyen, our producer, to my board operator Wendell Hendy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or you have any thoughts on this that you weren't able to call in with, drop me email if you like i'm bradcast at bradblog.com but you can download the full show as always they're all available for free no paywall at bradblog.com drop me email as i said or find me on the facebook's twitters and mastodons at the brad blog we will see you there until we see you here next time hopefully tomorrow i'm brad friedman good luck world
0: You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.